when Prince Zuko saw that it was his father who had come to duel him, he begged for mercy. Please, father! I only had the Fire Nation's best interest at heart. I'm sorry I spoke out of turn. You will fight for your honor. I meant you no disrespect. I am your loyal son. Rise and fight, Prince Zuko. I won't fight you. You will learn respect, and suffering will be your teacher. Welcome back to another episode of the Bitter Druids Podcast. We are here to talk about Book one, chapter 12 of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Sam Stanish. This is a queer superfan podcast, and I'm here joined by my wonderful co-host, Derek Reining. Hey, what's up? Yeah, um, is this, I feel like this is one of the few fully queer episodes with a guest, I feel like, right? Yeah. Pause up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's exciting, you know, this is a great episode, especially coming off of last week's episode, um, which, I mean, was still fine. Like we said, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, last last week, last week we got really deep into the nitty-gritty of nothing, and then this week it's giving us all of the relevant backstory to two of the most important characters. So it, they're very comparable. Yeah, and not even of the show, but of literature and <laughs> film and media and everything. Two of the most important characters, period. Yeah. Jesus, Batman, <laughs> Ang and Zuko. Yes. Um, and we are joined today by uh, a wonderful friend and the host of the Advanced Community Studies podcast, Kevin Lanigan. Hello. It's nice to be here. I, I am honored to be on for this episode. Thank yes. you for being here, Kevin. Uh we have both Derek and I have both guested on the Advanced Community Studies podcast. It was such a thrill and a wonderful joyride. Mm-hmm. Uh, so happy to have you on the show. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm glad I could uh, return the favor. You know, bring these swaths of uh, community fans over to you. I'm sure these nerd Venn diagrams overlap quite a bit. I imagine. <laughs> uh, so let me let me bring it on back to y'all. I would hope so. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we both like community and Avatar, so there have to be others like us. it's just like good TV, right? If you just enjoy, like, television that is good to watch, then you probably like both of these shows. Right, exactly. You you just naturally gravitated toward these during the early 2000s slash extremely early 2010s. Exactly. They kind of uh, flow right into one another. Like, the ending of Avatar really sets up the beginning community in a beautiful way that a lot of people don't really think yeah, about. Yeah, I thought it was weird at first when the Avatar finale ends with, like, a Breakfast Club recap, but it's just to set up the pilot episode of Community. Yeah, it was weird that Zuko was the one that ratted out Jeff Winger as having <laughs> uh, faulty law credentials. It was, yeah. like, the most nefarious thing he ever did. Mm-hmm, I know, and it was weird that he, it was just, like, live-action shots of Joel McHale in this a- animated show, but, I mean, that's art. Yeah, Uncle Iroh taught that tea-making class. Uh, everyone's favorite <laughs> war criminal, Uncle Iroh. Your yeah. beloved, cuddly <laughs> war criminal. Hey, he stopped that. I don't know. I don't know. Is he a war criminal, or is he just I, someone who's been to war? I guess, as someone who who thinks all wars are crimes, yeah. I guess... I guess He's not he's not a particularly heinous war criminal in the the Nuremberg trials of the Fire Nation. I think he'd make it out okay. But like he's you know, if you siege any city for six hundred days, you there are issues. You probably did something wrong at least on one of those days. I hate to mess with everyone's favorite, like, cuddly uncle, but, like... Hey, everyone here has played a Fire Emblem game, so we're cool with, like, being cool with war criminals. We're fine with that. And as a lifelong Animorphs fan, I'm no stranger (laughs) to support war criminals. Yeah, especially young ones. Yeah. Child soldier war criminals. Kids media and and video games, and I'm going to specifically even hone this into, like, Japanese media, has such, like, a density of child soldiers as, like, protagonists. Like, you go to anime warrior (laughs) school to become, like, an army guy. It's it's this weird uh, uh, trope, but it's completely fanciful. It's fine. 
Have you right. guys seen that Twitter account that like goes through like video games and movies and TV shows, and they're like, "Can you break the Geneva Conventions in this game or whatever?" <laughs> and <laughs> and then they give you the exact thing that you can that like goes against that. <laughs> you can in in Shenmue, you can break Article Nine, you know, uh, Subletter Five of the Shenmue. Geneva Conventions. Yeah. Ah, Shenmue. I maybe I didn't get far enough in that game to see where it transitions <laughs> from. Just a plaintive revenge story in a Japanese town to breaking the Geneva Convention. I'm sorry. Yeah, Shenmue 3 is itself uh, a breaking of the uh, Geneva Convention. Oh, I see now. Shady. We're just coming for whoever the developer of that is. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, like that sacred cow of Shenmue 3, uh, which released (laughs) last year to the least fanfare anything has ever had. Uh, So (laughs) after waiting, you'd think something that took like fucking 18 years uh, would have a little bit more fanfare. No, sir. No, sir. I think my my exact reaction was, wait, when did the second one come out? That was my reaction (laughs) to Shenmue 3 being released. Uh, and I don't know what we're talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> I I love that you guys are having fun. <laughs> we are having fun. Um, yeah, speaking of fun things, let's talk about a really deep character analysis of two teenage boys. Yeah, we. I mean, we're here to talk about the storm. A wonderful episode of Avatar. I remember the first time I saw it, and it's just stuck with me ever since. I feel like it's one of the episodes I've seen the least. I don't know why, but I just like I. I guess I just know it well enough. I don't. I'm not sure, but I think I've seen it very few times. But it's good every time. I mean, yeah. I. I would say this is probably going to be the episode to beat for a very long time. Like this is just a perfect episode of television to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it was good stuff. As this is my first time watching this episode, as it is my first time watching basically all Avatar episodes. Wow. Um so but I did in the episode you covered last week when I was watching the end of it to get caught up for this, I was like I did see the end of this episode. So for a long time, Avatar's only existence in my brain was that cartoon depiction of a soccer match between <laughs> two, two 12-year-olds. And you're like, why am I not watching more of this? <laughs> right. Great. I was like, why are all of my friends talking about this show that I don't have uh, the television channels necessary to watch? <laughs> multiple. Yeah, you need multiple. Uh, subscriptions uh no okay. so i guess what are your yeah, i'm very interested in then what are your takes so far on these characters uh these are good number one best is katara so far um that is my if i have a criticism of this very very good episode of avatar mm, not so not a lot of katara she's really just there to like listen to ang's story um <laughs> Which is good, you know. It shows that she's like she leads with this empathy and this and this trust. Uh, we we uh, love Katara, but this, um, I even the best kids shows because I'm nearly thirty years old. So so trying to watch kids shows for the first time is hard. I've tried mm. Steven Universe, but it just like doesn't hold my attention because it's for like kids. Even though I hear it's fucking excellent um you know uh, adventure time like all that stuff is just i feel a little too old to like try and get into it for the first time but avatar has this just this endemic quality it is still like a kids show but it's remarkably well made the storytelling is so consistent the characters are so consistent they know how to tell an episode plot um so uh all of this is like really, really good, really strong world building. Because um, I I didn't have Nickelodeon when I was a kid, so mm. there's this there's this space in my brain that Avatar should have occupied that would have spoke to me so strongly <laughs> when I was ten years old. Mm. But unfortunately, that zone is filled up with Shaolin Showdown, uh, Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh wow! Uh, should I say first- Aya? Yumo Guigui Fighty Sao, I think. Exactly. <laughs> yes, Yumo Guigui Fighty Sao. Uh, you have to collect all the talismans. Who knows if uh, Jackie Chan Adventures is now uh, canceled. Just horribly, horribly uh, offensive show, I uh, cannot say. 
I remember uh, all this. I loved the Shallon Showdown. I spent many years obsessed with, but it, I mean, I agree. It was probably the same years I was obsessed with Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, it's, I mean, similar concepts, I guess. Similar theming, anyway. Four elements, you know, where we're having these little one-off adventures that add up to a larger story. Doing martial um, arts. Mm-hmm. Doing martial arts. Everyone has cool weapons. You know, there's the, there's all these like common elements, but inarguably, Avatar is a far superior show, though they have similar aims, perhaps. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I've I have famously missed the boat on Shell and Showdown for whatever reason. So all I know is there Thanks. are bald there are bald children in both of them. That's, I, I feel like, my only connective tissue between them. This is true. There are bald children. The bald child on uh, Shaolin Showdown has a series of dots instead yeah. of an arrow, but they it's, still glow light blue. It's still the same. Oh. He's very shit. different, Kevin, because he specializes in water, the water element, as opposed to the air element. They're completely oh. different. <laughs> yeah, in, in that way only are these shows different, where, again, the we were... In this era of kids' TV, we were so obsessed with the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water. They were on every show. Uh, The animated uh, TV adaptation of The Mummy was all about the four elements, card captors, of course. Uh, We just loved the four elements. We did. I I think we still love the four elements. (laughs) Right. We stand the four elements. We do. They're (laughs) fundamental by their very nature. Go off water, earth, fire, air. <laughs> or wind. Sometimes wind. I, I don't know. It's Not always a fan of that. Um, but, you know. Yeah. Not to come for it Legend of the Zelda, moment. the Minish Cap. <laughs> oh, you best watch out, Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. Yeah. <laughs> we coming for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, shall we get into the this episode? I love that it starts with the literal calm before the storm like you like you see the title card says the storm you're like okay thunder lightning all that stuff i'm ready but no yeah it's like we're gonna start on this like idyllic dream sequence of just like flying through through some clouds i love that and then of course the storm uh shows up in this moment uh for the first time but not till later do we get an actual storm but i just i love i love that dream sequence gigantic momo i'll never forget (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just something that is going to be burned into my memory for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I like that uh, Aang just, like, it because it's a dream, Aang looks over and sees Sokka, like, on an air glider and just just thinks nothing of it and just has a happy smile on his face. I love that. Although everyone says, we need you. Yeah. A lot of of pressure to be on this 12-year-old boy. Right. Uh, yeah, I lo- uh, I'm sad we th- all don't get to see uh, Sokka's food eats people dream, though. I'm really interested to see what that was like. Sokka's what? <laughs> In this episode, uh, when they wake up, uh, Katara oh, is like, oh, right, yeah, right. not interested in what Sokka's dream oh. was. And then he reveals later that food eats people in his dream. It's very um, Attack of the Giant Tomatoes or whatever that movie was. Yeah, man, that's messed up. Sokka's a messed up guy. Yeah. You know, he's he he and his little eight-year-old uh, soldiers that he has in the pilot are, they've seen some shit, man. They've yeah. been through it. Yeah, we're talking about child soldiers, and Sokka's over here raising toddler soldiers. You know. From episode one, Sokka's raising child soldiers. I, I mean, to be fair, he doesn't really have a lot of options. It, it's like them or Grand Grand who have to defend the Southern Water Tribe. So, mm-hmm. like... I get it, Sokka. I understand. I don't know. Maybe they didn't need to send every single well-bodied man to go fight in the war. Like, maybe they could have left one there to be, like, a soldier. I guess. I guess that was their logic, but it's like... I mean, I don't know. I think Grand Grand probably was holding it down. They made it that long with just her. I absolutely think so. (laughs) Yeah, this episode does such a good job of, it feels, maybe it's just because I'm watching a fuck ton of community, but it feels like the best conceptual episodes of that show, where mm. they spend like four minutes really strongly setting up, here's what this episode is going to be about. We have our like, act one, we place everyone in their proper places, and we're like, okay, slowly you figure out this is going to be 
the backstory episode and that it's these twin backstories that are bouncing off of each other is so good. It's so the it's just it hits you directly in that emotional place. And I think it's because they give you this great foundation right off the bat. And once your brain understands the foundation, they can just spring and they can just go. And it was good job, people that made Avatar. Good job. (laughs) No, yeah, I love we've seen like a few like a handful of episodes before this point, like Southern Air Temple um or water beneath scroll where there are these kind of uh ang and zuko storylines going on but this i think is like they purposefully really connect them uh instantly even though they only interact like once at the very end of the episode and it's very brief um and it's through these there's like this flock of birds that flies over ang's head uh as they're talking about oh the the sky's clear um and then we see the that same flock fly over zuko and iroh's head so that's just an instant like sign like even though these characters aren't going to maybe interact with each other, they are still very connected in what's going on with them. Especially because, I mean, another connection is just, like, they're all talking about a storm coming from, like, the moment the episode starts, basically, or from the moment they wake up, and Iroh knows a storm is coming, and then they get to the town, and the clouds have gotten really terrible, and it's just, like, they're clearly in the same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of old people psychically predicting the weather. I like that. <laughs> It's just as you get older, you'll you'll it'll catch up to you. You just know when the weather's gonna hit. It's just it comes with getting older. It's true. He feels yeah. it in his bones. It's true. <laughs> uh, I also love uh, in that intro scene for Zuko. Um, I love that it's like it starts with just Zuko and Iroh, um, and I forget what does, Zuko says something along the lines of like not caring about uh, the crew or something. And then one of the crew members awkwardly shows up, and then Zuko. Um, doesn't do what I would do, which is, like, you know, backtrack or be like, I'm so sorry. He, like, doubles down on being a dick to this guy, which I liked. It felt uh, very true to Zuko's character to this point. Yeah, he says that capturing the Avatar is more important than any individual crew member. And then the crew, uh, there's like, there is an individual crew member there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, and, like, when, like, we've seen that before from him, and, like, he thinks he thinks that that's what he thinks. And then when it comes down to, like, following through with that we've seen him do this before where he just like will save someone that he cares about before capturing Aang. yeah i mean it just speaks to that zuko's a good person despite his upbringing like that he's doing what he thinks like his father would want him to do and what he he's like perpetuating what he's seen his dad do um and he even echoes a word like the exact words we'll hear from his father later which um he says to the crew member you better learn some respect or I will teach it to you, which is, like, obviously an echo to that line that his dad gives before he burns his face. Yeah, despite Zuko's uh, cool anime scar, he really, like, there's a lot going on here. He's not just a bad guy. Right. Still waters run deep and also still scar tissue. And also burning hot temperature scar tissue. Because this guy likes to pop off. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'd like to go back and retract because I said, like, he'll save someone he cares about. But, I mean, in this episode, he saves someone he doesn't care about. He, like, this is just a crew member to him, and, and but he's willing to save him for, to, over capturing Aang because that's the right thing to do, which is cool. Yeah, we love Zuko. Um, so yeah, and then as for Aang's storyline, like you said, they really established, like, what what is this episode going to be about? And, uh... I like that we before have kind of had some hints about uh, Aang being this, like, reluctant hero. Um, But we haven't really got this, like, guilt angle to it, where he's, like, uh, guilty for... Obviously, we we at this point don't know, but he's guilty because... Or he feels guilty because he left of his own volition, and that's what resulted in him being trapped in the iceberg for 100 years. Um, And then we see this guilt, like, get externalized in this episode with the old man character, which I really like... Um, yeah, which, I mean, the old man is really funny, even if he is, like, a, um, a physical manifestation of Aang's trauma. Yeah, the, I mean, this is another character, I mean, I keep saying this, so I guess I don't, I can't, I maybe can't keep saying that Avatar is good at bringing secondary characters back, because <laughs> I like this character a lot, and I just feel like I would want to see him again, but that I guess I'm spoiling accidentally, but we don't see this character again, if that's a spoiler, I'm sorry. Sorry, um, we don't see Fisherman again. Yeah, oh, so, damn, such a rich, textured character. They set him <laughs> up for so much. 
That yeah, but I, I just feel, I feel like I've said that like five episodes in a row now, so I'd, maybe I'll stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, keep saying it. If it's true, why would you stop saying it? If it's true, keep making it happen. You know, and I think this show is is baiting you a lot because they keep casting just this incredible smorgasbord of voice actors. And mm. so you're like, damn, that's like uh carl from the uncharted games that's robin from mm. Teen titans this episode has fucking james hong in it like one of those actors with 430 imdb credits anytime you need an old asian man you go get james hong and like they it almost tricks you into thinking they're going to be really important characters because why would you get george takei if you're not going to like keep running with that um uh, but like okay if this guy is voiced by mark hamill odds are we're going to end up seeing more of this character (laughs) maybe a little yeah (laughs) why would you reach out to mark hamill for two lines if you're not building up to mark hamill true i mean if you are only going to get two lines i mean i feel like you'd still savor that regardless you know if you had the opportunity Hamill can make a meal out of it. He can he can take two <laughs> lines and he can turn it into a four course meal. Right, and we we appreciate that. We <laughs> stand. Yes, um, I and then uh, kind of to set up these parallel flashbacks, which start at this point. Um, I love that um, these flashbacks aren't about showing how similar these characters are. It's really more about showing how different they are. Um, like for Aang's story, we uh, start out by seeing he really just wants to be a kid in a lot of ways. Uh, like he wants to play air scooters with his friends when he sees these like toys that are laid out to him that were like uh, part of this ritual to see who the avatar was. Uh, like his first reaction is, oh, I just picked them because they're fun. And he like even starts playing with them in front of the like council of bunks, whoever they are. Um, and then Zuko is like the exact opposite. Uh, and his flashback, like, the first thing we see him do is, like, he's, like, demanding, like, no, I want to be in this war meeting because it's what grown-ups do. Like, Zuko is in a big rush to be an adult. Uh, so and I love that. Yeah. Not just be an adult, but to actively try to become the, the, like, person he was born to be because he's trying to become, he's trying to go into the war room because, like, if he's going to leave the country someday, he's going to have to start learning this stuff. But we see Aang... Uh, immediately try to run away from his duties as the Avatar, which is a much more, like, real thing. That, like, he he is the Avatar, like, and it's thrust upon him, and he, like, is already the Avatar. But, like, Zuko being the Fire Lord is, like, something that he aspires to, and he's, like, chasing after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing. It's, like, uh, when you really... We're kind of skipping ahead a little to the actual, like, big climaxes of their flashbacks... Like, Aang's story in a lot of ways is about him making a selfish act out of fear. That's basically what Aang's action boils down to. Whereas Zuko, in his flashback, the big problem for him is that he makes a very brave choice, and it's a selfless choice, too. He's standing up for other people, uh, which, like, we talked about this in the Southern Air Temple, but I love this sort of inversion of what you expect a hero character to go through and what a villain character to go through um, in a lot of ways. And it's represented more in this episode, like we talked about, where Aang, uh, we often see him, like, exude this, like, massive, insane bending power. Uh, Whereas with Zuko, like, he's displaying, like, very internal, like, changes. Like, he's showing empathy to other people, or he's being very helpful and selfless. So I love, yeah, I just love that sort of flip of what you expect. Absolutely. And it works with, I mean, I assume they knew these two characters' backstories when they were, like, creating the the pilot, but it really, like, it not only works perfectly with where the characters are right now, but it helps explain, like, everything about them. Or it, like, uh, that, that Aang is this, it seems initially that he is simply, like, an inversion of the Chosen One myth, that instead of being, like, dour and super self-serious like uh, uh zuko he's this like incredibly happy go lucky kid um but that is also like the reason he ended up in exactly the situation that he is in right now is this like desire to be a happy go lucky kid and it just like goes back and re-deepens everything you know about this character and and zuko's mm. the same way 
where like up until this episode, I was like, did I miss something? Why is this guy not allowed back home? Did I miss something? <laughs> Uh, and then the show is like, no, 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 we were just hiding it. It's okay. Um, and and pull that number on you. Good stuff. Just remarkably strong, simple storytelling. Um, good stuff. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, we don't get the, like, actual, like, here's why these characters are, like, we don't know why Aang's in the iceberg until over halfway through the first season. Um, and like you said, same for Zuko's motivations. Uh, I feel like maybe a lesser show would have like started at those points and then gone from there. But the show like held those cards close to his hand and then dealt them out at the right time, I think. Yeah, and I think it's pro- like I think it's a good idea to have it at the same time. I mean, it just makes for a punchier episode to have both of them do flashbacks at the same time. And we get the reveal of Zuko's scar and we see like okay well we also see the design of younger zuko for the first time and he looks very cute uh <laughs> which is a great reveal and i i think that i the 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 scene that always sticks out in my mind for me in this episode is the war room scene um i think that like it's it's iroh's voiceover telling the story um when and just like yeah like like you said zuko making the brave choice to stand up against someone in like in his first meeting and it's just like when you're in a meeting you're really not trying to talk if you're talking (laughs) in a meeting like that's a problem but he bravely speaks up and uh just like i all of iroh's voiceover in this episode is really really good i think Mm -hmm. yeah no zuko's not the kind to just you know sit there and then later say oh that meeting could have been an email you know he's gonna speak up (laughs) If he smells some bullshit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do love that it's like Iroh who's explaining it. Because obviously for Aang's flashback, we're getting it from Aang's perspective. And he's speaking to Katara. Whereas uh, for Zuko's, it's Iroh telling about Zuko's uh, story to these uh, characters who we really don't know. Um, it's an interesting sort of... I don't know, contrast. What do we think that means that we're not hearing it from Zuko himself? For me, I think it's important that it's Iroh who loves Zuko. He's telling the story to people who, like, like we've seen in this episode, actively don't like him and have a really negative impression of him. And so because we know that Iroh has, like, like Iroh loves Zuko for whatever reason, we are all like as the audience are being told that Zuko is the villain and so it's important for the story to be told to characters who don't like Zuko because we probably are like thinking we don't like Zuko at this time right um right yeah Yeah, I don't think Zuko would tell this story himself he's like far Mm -hmm. too closed off and so having it come from Uncle Iroh you get the all the great color in his dialogue of Iroh like telling it how it is and expressing the internal feelings as this like third party um, perspective. We as the audience already love Iroh. So like having Zuko's story come from this guy means a lot because if Iroh trusts this kid, then maybe we should give this kid the benefit of the doubt as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't do that with Aang because there's no one alive who can tell Aang's story besides Aang. Um, right. We don't have an option there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, those thoughts. I also think that it's like you said. Uh, yeah, I just love that it's Iroh because I think he's explaining it in a way that maybe Zuko would not explain it. Like if you, if Zuko were to like tell his story, I feel like knowing Zuko, he probably would not have framed it the way Iroh does. Where Iroh's like, no, Zuko did the right thing. He was standing up for what he believed in. I don't know if Zuko would say it like that. He would probably have internalized this as a shameful thing he did and maybe would have said it in a way where it's like, I did something stupid and wrong. I shouldn't have said anything. Um, And also, like, if it were Zuko, like, speaking, like you said, it's good that it's someone that the audience trusts. Whereas if it were Zuko, there could be part of you that's like, well, he's the villain, so he's just going to tell his story in the most sympathetic way, naturally. Um, Exactly. Yeah. It's just, I also, yeah. I mean, it's also important that, I mean, because, like, Zuko is working through this issue, but he's not, like, reaching the end of his, like, under, he's not coming 
through on the other side of like his emotional journey with this past in this episode. So like it like he doesn't need to be talking about this. So so it makes sense that Aang is telling his story because like yes, of course he's the only one who could, but Aang is also working through his like survivor's guilt and like his flightiness, I guess, at a at a faster pace than Zuko is working through his daddy issues. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. We do get a flash of Zuko after the, um, his flashback is being told, and we see that he is also thinking about um, like his childhood. But there, like, we don't get really any context for what he's thinking about at this point, or like what those scenes are. Um, which is interesting because then it shows Zuko is also reflecting, but maybe not on the things that we thought he would be, or he's not reflecting on the exact moments that we're seeing in the episode. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, yeah, this episode is great. Um, trying to think, um, Monkey Atso makes a return appearance, which is great. I love him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I cool love guy. that he, yeah, he is cool. Cool Great guy. facial hair. He's like, I love that he, we see where Aang gets this sort of fun-loving spirit, and Hiatso seems like the perfect teacher for him. And then, meanwhile, like, I started calling them basically just the Jedi Council, because they literally act like the Jedi Council does in uh, the prequel movies, where they are just, like, clearly at some point they were, like, the, like, maybe the quote-unquote good guys, and they still are the good guys at that point. But it's like, you can see this leadership is, like, not what it should be, or they're not thinking about it in the same way that they maybe other leaders in the past were thinking about how an avatar should be raised. I agree, <laughs> but I like, I can, also, I understand where they're coming from. Like, it's not, it's obviously not like the like morally just thing to do. I think to like start raising this child as like uh, the beacon of hope for the world, but they like know a war is coming and like, the world will need the spiritual guide very soon. Um, so, like, I can understand the urgency with which these, like, faceless, bald men are attacking this issue. Yeah. It's a, yeah, fair assessment. I mean, and, yeah, it's like, they do know Order 66 is about to come down, so <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. This this inert group of old men who are failing their like magical chosen one mm -hmm. um by just complete just mishandling the situation you can't separate this kid from other kids or they're gonna grow up to be a weird shitty adult you mm -hmm. have to like continue to socialize them properly and let ang have fun because otherwise they're just gonna they're gonna be zuko like otherwise they're gonna like uh grow up into revenge of the sith anakin and you <laughs> don't want that no you he's do gonna not. die in the lava <laughs> yeah that's not it's not great Hank's <laughs> treatment by the other kids is so heartbreaking he I teaches know. them a fun new trick that he created that he invented and then the next day He's still the same person, but they won't talk to him anymore because he's the Avatar. When you would think that since, he, since he's the Avatar, it would be cool to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like speaking to like these very like egalitarian, like, n like nomad monk characters who are like, well, what's fair is fair. But I, then like my little kid brain is like, well, why can't Aang just like be the referee? You don't have to tell him to go away. <laughs> he can still be there. Um it could be fun. Yeah. Let him be the coach or something. I yeah. don't know. Like there are there are things that you can have Ang do, even though he is like the special gifted child. Uh, you you have to like you can't cut him off from the rest of the world. Yeah, it's rude. Um, it's rude, monks. <laughs> I don't trust them. I don't like them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so uh, we then also get the scene, which I think is very interesting because. So far, everything we see in Aang's flashback is from his perspective, obviously, and things he know would have happened. But then the scene where he leaves, um, we get this little scene about Hiatso finding a scroll, like the scroll that Aang leaves. And when he enters the room, Hiatso's like, I'm not going to let them take you, Aang, um, and all this stuff. And to me, the way I've always seen that episode, it's like you can either, in or seen that scene, it's you can either interpret it as, yes, that's what happened, or... Me, I'm always kind of trying to decide, is this what Aang tells himself happened? Like, to me, I'm thinking, like, is this Aang's sort of guilt 
sort of bubbling up where he's thinking if I had stayed, maybe Monkeyasu would have fought this and like would have made sure I like stayed there. Um, I don't know. That's just something that's always been an interesting thing to debate. Internally. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it, but right, how would he have been privy to that information? Who Unless he was hovering outside the window, but then like Oppo was already on the move and right. Know. Oh, it's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, mm, all right. No, never mind. Avatar bad show. Never mind. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying that makes it a, an even more intriguing scene because then it's like you can ask yourself, is that actually what happened, or is this Aang? kind of projecting his, like, like you said, survivor's guilt onto the situation where he thinks he made the wrong decision and, like, there were other options to him, but he just didn't take them. He took the coward's way out or whatever. Um, or it's just what actually happened. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I've also never thought about it like that. I I could not tell you one way or the other how I think it actually happened now. But I, I guess I was just interpreting that as real because I wasn't thinking about it. But now, I yeah, it's like... Aang is telling the story, and he never, it's not like he would be able to go back, he he didn't go back and find out anything additional after leaving. So, it's it's probably what actually happened, but... Right. We'll yeah, I'm sure know. that wasn't the intent, was not to, like, make you question the reliability of Aang as a narrator, but that's how I do it, because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I right. I yeah. I don't know if the show is operating on that level, but that has never stopped fans before from like running wild to shit like this. So I say go for it. I say I say have fun. It certainly has never stopped me, and it never exactly. will. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. And so speaking of other things that are really important in this, like sort of these climaxes of the flashbacks, uh, in Zuko's. Meanwhile, we get the Agni Kai, uh, which, uh. Ozai gives, uh, the Fire Lord gives, uh, probably one of my favorite lines of the whole show, um, for reasons we can maybe get into, uh, he says, you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher to Zuko. And obviously we heard that earlier in the episode, uh, Zuko kind of parroting that to the crewmen. I don't know. Um, yeah, just that's, we can talk about that maybe in the more spoilery section about why I really love that line, but I just think, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Sam no like the Fire Lord. <laughs> nice. Me no like the Fire Lord. He doesn't no. seem very nice. Yeah, burning child faces to a crisp. Lord. Yeah, it's I like yeah. the, the spin where it's like, yes, he spoke against the general, but it was in the Fire Lord's war room, so the challenge was actually to the Fire Lord. It's like. Come on, you just wanted to burn your son's head. Like, he, like that's literally all... Like, there, there, there was no reason for that to happen. And then Zuko's giving up. He's like, I'm literally, I'm not going to do this. I'm your son. I love you, Dad. And then the dad's like, bop, bop, and blasts his son's face off. Yeah, it's not, not nice, man. Yeah, it, like... If you recontextualize it, and it's like, son, you're becoming a man, let me give you a cool bitchin' face tattoo. Like, that is one way to... You didn't have to do it this way if you if you wanted to do this. Yeah, just ask. Maybe he wanted a cool facial, like, thing to set him apart. I mean, yeah, if it looks as dope as Zuko's does, like, damn. Right. Like, sure, I'll take a face tattoo. Yeah. It is a cool scar. Okay. <laughs> scar. I'm... But the thing for me, which is, like, I guess this is just true, so I'm not going to say it doesn't make any sense or that, like, whatever, but the soldier on the boat doesn't know the origin of Zuko's scar, which is interesting to me, because I feel like it would have been something that, like, is a widespread, like, I don't know, either... Newsies would have been on the corner, like, extra, extra. Yeah, it seems like it would... It right. would be something like um, propaganda e or something about the Fire Lord. Be like, he's so honorable, he'll even, like... <laughs> he'll even burn his own son. Yeah, like, the if, if, there, if he so feels cool. disrespected, he will attack his own son. I don't know, I just feel like it would be more widespread knowledge. But this soldier doesn't know it, which is interesting. Maybe he's yeah. new. Yeah, <laughs> he just joined up. <laughs> he just joined you know up, what? he hasn't heard all the lore yet. Right. 
Yeah. Just like us. Yeah, he's just the. We are also this man with um, incredible mutton chops. Yeah. It was a very interesting character design for this random guy. I know. <laughs> it's kind of cute. We promised we would be thirsty for the men more, so I'm starting. I'm more on the fisherman's side. Really? Mm. I, I will uh, confess to not having listened to every episode of your Avatar coverage, just one or two. What women folk are you thirsty for on Avatar The Last Women? Oh, you just said no. you need to be thirsty for the men. I thought that implied that you had previously <laughs> been thirsty for the women. And I was like... No. I'm, uh, I respect... Pickens. Like, no. <laughs> I respect women too much to find them uh, physically attractive. That's why I completely stay away from them. Right. I understand. <laughs> Avatar Kiyoshi, Grand Grand, the tribe leader of the Jang tribe. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty fierce, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. There's That's... lots of diva worship fodder in this show, I will say. And we've 100%. made that very clear. Warriors of Kiyoshi, like, this show's not playing around. That's like episode four, where you get, like, this elite squad of kabuki women with razor-sharp fans. That rules! That's very awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah Avatar Slop. No, no one can deny it. It's no true. Um, this episode was dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. Um, we get uh some lots of interesting little like new things. Like we see Iro literally bend lightning. That's new. Didn't know that was the thing. Uh, yeah, and uh, I love. Uh, we do, I do like that we get this sort of um like little tiny moment that kind of like puts a pin in both of these like storylines together where. Zuko sees Aang uh, on Appa, and he chooses to not pursue him in, like, the name of keeping his crew safe, which is kind of like a repeat of um, the moment where, um, what what episode was that? Where he chooses, where Zuko chooses not to pursue Aang. It was it part one of the spirit world, I think? I, I remember what you're talking about, and where I think it is, I think it is that episode because Iroh is kidnapped. Um, and I agree that it is a repeat, but I think it's different because it's Iroh as opposed to, like, these random guys, like I was talking about earlier, where it's like, Zuko doesn't care about these people, but knows that it's wrong to do this. Just like he was, just like his decision in the war room, uh, where he was standing up for these, like, nameless soldiers he'll never meet. Right, that's true. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and so this idea of the storm as this thing... Um, that's kind of like this, it's this natural thing that needs to happen where it's like, uh, moisture builds up in the atmosphere and it has to come down at some point. I like that sort of like, these flashbacks are sort of that, um, idea where it's like these things were building up and they finally had to come out. And now, now that the storm's gone, they can have a happy, sunny, um, rest of the show. Nothing bad will ever happen again because they're <laughs> over their issues. Well, Aang does say pretty definitively that he is done with feeling this way. And, like, <laughs> I I mean, I guess he's, uh, what's it called? Like, eh, not, <laughs> like when you, like, just believe something and, like, make it happen for yourself or whatever. Uh, the secret. <laughs> the secret, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> doing that sort of thing. Um, and just, like, sort of, I guess Some that'll work for him now that he's told his story. Yeah, um, and I do like also this little idea of, like, Aang gives the world hope, and Aang gives Zuko help, or hope, which is great. Um, also a little ship fodder, which you always like. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so, like you said, amazing episode. Uh, any other, like, non-spoilery thoughts, Kevin? Any <laughs> concluding thoughts before we maybe potentially spoil this whole ep- uh, show for you? I say go for it. I mean, like, I know there is a secret tunnel coming, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that's a thing that you're like, a, on the out for. A, uh, yeah, my friends used to sing that all the time when we were playing League, and I was like, what the fuck are any of you saying? What is this? Um, I know that there is no war. Well, let's, wait, let's save saying. the spoiler talk for in, in oh, a little I'm sorry, bit. I'm sorry, okay. I'm sorry. There is a um, secret tunnel. Yeah. Um, well, the secret yeah. tunnel, I feel like, is nothing too terrible to discuss. But uh, for the episode rankings Derek and I have been doing, I agree. This is. I'm still like, is Southern Air Temple a better episode? I might have to rewatch it and like compare. Uh, so for now, I will put this at 1A below Southern Air Temple. I'm not ready to knock it <laughs> off yet. 
No, okay, I'll put it at number one, and I'll reconvene next week. Yeah, I think so, to me, yeah, uh, to me, the storm is number one, like hands down. Like this is just to me, like Southern Air Temple is like pretty, like carried pretty heavily by the Zuko storyline. Whereas this is two incredible storylines that connect in a much more meaningful way than that episode does. Like that that episode, they're completely separate. Um, and this is just like, yeah, like I said, this is an amazing episode of television. Um, and it will be hard to knock this one off that pedestal for a while, I think. You've convinced me. Yeah. Okay. It'll be number one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The the Southern Air Temple is a little like inert. They're just kind of like exploring this like uh, uh, abandoned. It's a cool temple. Don't get me wrong. Up in the sky. <laughs> great temple. Mm-hmm. But like uh, this was just like this. This is the episode that will convince me to watch the rest of Avatar The Last Airbender. This is the one where I'm like, all right, I'm in now. I can't I can't quit after an episode like this. Um, so I'm in. I'm in now. All right, there you go. That's like fair. This. Yeah. Um, cool. So I guess, Kevin, do you want to tell people where they can find you before we maybe lose listeners to spoiler territory? <laughs> uh, absolutely. So I am uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan on everything. Um, you can listen to me at least once a week on Advanced Community Studies, a podcast where we are watching Community one or two episodes uh, at a time. Both of these lovely hosts have been on uh, my show, and it was it was great having them. Uh, and I think it is a great uh, freeform time over there. I also publish a comic every weekday uh, that is uh, Patty Plague Doc, Patty with two T's. Uh, about the adventures of a cartoon plague doctor, Patty Plague Doc. Uh, you can find that on my Twitter or on its own Instagram of the same name. Uh, and I also publish. I am I am working on a series of short stories that I am publishing slowly uh, about the Cola Wars, a fictional conflict, uh, a military conflict between Coke and Pepsi uh, that takes place over many decades and many battlefronts. Uh, you can find that uh, TV's Kevin dot Substack dot com uh so that is that is my current body of work and uh i don't know if you like any of those things enough patreon.com slash tv's kevin anyway there you go wow damn um, he's got plugs baby yeah plugs. Um, yeah i'm posting uh playstation 4 screen crap caps on my twitter that's my body of work <laughs> i'm doing the same thing yeah. you know Posted, i yeah Ghost of Tsushima, it's a pretty game <laughs> uh right yeah you can find me at reindeerix on twitter um, yeah. I'm at Sam Stanish on only Instagram. Uh, I deactivated my Twitter last week during the recording of my other podcast, Word on the Straits, where we talked about blue checks this past week. Um, and so it's what a journey for me, but it's been going great, and I feel a lot more uh, healthy brained since <laughs> stopping. And it's been a little under a week. So, you know, this is a new change and I can go back, but I don't need to unpack that all here. I did it on my other podcast that you could listen to. Uh, but I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and at Word on the Straits on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And of course, we are uh, at Bitter Pod on Twitter. Um, sure. So, yeah. So, uh, unlike last week, I feel like there's a lot we could talk about in terms of this episode. Um, and its place in the greater Avatar mythology. Um, I mean, I like obviously, like I said, Iroh bends lightning, which we hadn't seen before. That uh, redirecting lightning becomes a much bigger thing later on. Maybe more than they were anticipating when they had this little scene. But uh, yeah, it's important. I mean, it's so cool that it came that the lightning bending happens in this first episode because the like the idea of lightning bending is so like thematic throughout the rest of the show right yeah and specifically the idea of redirecting which is what Iroh does here like he does this move and then you think nothing of it in that moment but it becomes so like big later on for um Zuko's character especially yeah and, and it's see- important it's like great that we get the because it's, it's all about his relationship with his father and mm-hmm. like the lightning bending is symbolic and, and redirecting the lightning bending is symbolic and we get the backstory in this episode where we find out about it it's it just all came together so well yeah i mean i'm uh this scene like i said before like one of my favorite scenes like of the whole show and it connects to one of my other absolute favorite scenes uh way forward in book three which will bring all those sorts of uh, storylines to a head 
Um, but speaking of like, what scene are you referring to? Um, well, I mean, when Zuko confronts his father, and there's so. a, redir- or a redirecting of lightning. Um, but we also get to see uh, Azula for the first time ever. Yes. Uh, Kevin, did you notice our beautiful Queen Azula in the stands next to Iroh and uh, Zhao? I did notice there was one character in the crowd. I think she's like in front of him, right? There's this one character that feels slightly more character designed than the anonymous citizens around her. And I'd seen her in like screenshots and and gifs that I didn't understand or mm-hmm. have reference mm-hmm. for. But she sparked a uh, a moment of familiarity for me, even though I have no idea who that is. Yeah, we see her clench her fist and get really happy when her dad blasts Zuko's face. Yeah, that's a good uh, good sign of things to come from her. I, <laughs> yeah. Who among us would not get a little excited if our dad blasted our brother's face with right. fire? You know, just like a little excited. Like, haha. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching... <laughs> yeah, it's like when your sibling gets in trouble and you don't. It's like... Exactly. Part of you is just like... I mean... Yeah. Um, but maybe happier, I guess, things from that scene or, um, like I said before, I wanted to put a pin in this line of, um, you'll learn respect and suffering will be your teacher. Um, I've talked about this with like people off the pod before, but, um, this is like, to me, such a great sort of summary of what Zuko's whole storyline is about, um, which is this idea that yes, like the Fire Lord, his words are like kind of correct. Like Zuko's whole story is he kind of does learn respect and it is through suffering, but it's not in the way that Ozai is talking about when Ozai says that he's saying, you're going to learn respect for me and my power. But what Zuko really learns through the suffering that his father puts on him is respect for other people and other nations and in a way for himself. Um, So I just love everything about that line. And it's such a powerful I don't know, encapsulation of Zuko's character in, um, like, he take speaking of redirecting lightning, he's redirecting his father's words um, and turning it into a positive thing for himself. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I love that scene a lot, and I've, yeah. I just had to talk about it. <laughs> I've never thought of it in that way, and that was a wonderful analysis, Derek. Um, it's, I, I think it's interesting that in this episode, there like there's so much I would want to I want to talk about about this episode about Zuko for the rest of the show, but then I feel like this does sort of close the loop on like Aang's story from a hundred years ago, sort of like I feel like it it is sort of ended here where his survivor guilt I don't I can't really think of another time it really comes up maybe okay like in like end of like end of season two. Like, the love has regenerated and come and stays as an energy on this earth or whatever. But it sort of, like, is over here, where it's, I, I can't think of another time when this plot expands further. I agree, yeah. This is definitely more of closure for Aang, and it's sort of an opening up for Zuko's storyline. Uh, which, again, speaks to this idea of these two very opposite stories kind of going on with these characters. Um, but speaking of, like, yeah, of Aang's story, I love... Uh, Hiatso, the only thing I can think of when it, when I see Hiatso is, like, obviously, um, a big storyline for Korra in her journey is that she really struggles with airbending. And to me, whenever I see Hiatso, I'm, like, kind of sad because it's, like, it seems like he would be a perfect teacher for Korra in a lot of ways because uh, a lot of Korra's problems in learning airbending seem to be, like, a personality clash with her teacher in her show, Tenzin, who is very strict uh, very by the numbers, like, you just have to do things the right way, um, whereas Hiatso seems like he would be a great teacher for Korra, and that he would find the fun uh, in airbending, which is, I think, what Korra is more interested in. I think Hiatso could teach anyone. He seems True. just like a great guy, um, and just, like, d- always ready for a laugh, knows when to call it quits and play a game of pie show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on uh, Pai Show? <laughs> oh my god, I mean, such an intricate game. I definitely understand what's happening. Lotus Kyle, etc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it as um, thrilling as uh, foos, uh, Foosball is in Community? Uh, at this point, no. I will give uh, them time to use Pai Show to like, 
reveal to characters like intimate flaws and backstory. Um, I will give Pajot time to reach the heights of Dungeons and Dragons on Community. Yeah. Um, so I'm just taking saying, off yeah, the internet. Uh, yeah, I need uh, for for it to be uh, declared racist, even though there are more racist episodes of Community. Uh, <laughs> not even the most racist episode. It's not even like there is an episode where Chevy Chase is in brown face. Uh, but you took off the one where Chang plays an elf. I don't know. Feels like an empty gesture to me. Uh, Netflix to fund the police. Netflix fund <laughs> the police. I don't know. I feel like you know, with uh, with uh, yeah, without that drow elf cosplay, I feel like don't we all feel like we're a little closer to racism ending? You know, I think when we took Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the 14th episode of season two of Community, off of Netflix and Hulu, we fixed racism. And now our country can finally heal because we took off a character cosplaying as an elf and not a character dressing up as an Indian man uh, or or anything like that. We really, we are, are this great nation, this, this fantastic rich quilt of a nation, uh, the United States of America, can finally be sewn back together now that we've removed the Dungeons and Dragons episode of Community from streaming services. Excellent work by all involved. I do think that Dungeons and Dragons is the source of Satanism in America, so it uh, it it'll work for me. That's what I've been saying. Bring back the Satanic Panic of the '80s. Bring it back. That's what yeah. they're doing. Netflix is a bringing back <laughs> the Satanic the Satan- Panic. I mean, ne- Stranger Things is a vehicle for 80s nostalgia. Might as well turn community into that, too. I'm saying if we're doing 80s nostalgia, let's do it all the way. Let's bring back the satanic panic. Let's uh, have our government not acknowledge a pandemic that is sweeping through its communities vis-a-vis the AIDS crisis. <laughs> let's do it all the way. I'm pretty sure all those uh, photos of men wearing crop tops are from the 80s, too, that go viral every once in a while right. so it, it's, everyone's I, looking for 80s nostalgia it's true yeah um well uh i'm trying to think anything else big in this episode that has uh wider uh connections i guess we still haven't really done like our due diligence in asking uh kevin what kind of vendor would you be so i've thought about this not a lot because I haven't been watching Avatar for that long, but everyone thinks about this when they're watching Avatar. I, I, I always, for whatever reason, respond very strongly to Earthbenders on any show. You know, I was big into Clay on Shaolin Showdown. I just, for some reason, really, I like the, forgive me, down-to-earth uh, presence that an Earthbender usually has. I think I might be a waterbender, just like my uh, whole deal, but I, I, if I were to choose, if you place the Avatar equivalent of a sorting hat on my head, um, and then you threw J.K. Rowling right in the garbage, but if you mm. did that, um, I I would choose uh, Earth bending if I had a choice. I That's interesting, that. Kevin. I really would have predicted you as an Airbender. I feel oh, like really? that's your vibe. Maybe I just. Maybe I just don't know enough about airbenders because they uh, are all D-A-D dead. Um, so, like, I I would happily be an airbender. That rules. You get a cool breeze whenever you need it. Um, mm-hmm. I would, uh, of course, I would be able to channel the greatest X-Men of them all, Storm. You know, I am perfectly happy to be an airbender. Um, but maybe I just didn't have enough information. I mean... I- Choose the element that you feel most connected to. Obviously, you know yourself better than I know you. I don't know. <laughs> You've made a pretty convincing uh, appeal there. Uh, yeah, so... other. Uh, I mean, I feel like there are... like It's just like, it's great to get the Suko backstory because mm-hmm. it echoes throughout the rest of the show. Um, and just like, this is the trauma of Zuko's life and it informs every single thing about him from the moment it happens until like years down the line and like we'll get there like at the very end of the show so like it is the okay. moment that will just like and it, it is it's great that we finally have it and that it's part of the plot and that we know what like zuko is like all about now right yeah i love yeah it's great 
Um, yeah, and I'm excited for everyone involved or everyone here to like see where it goes. Can't wait, can't wait. I was supposed to watch it when it hit Netflix. I was supposed to watch it with uh, my girlfriend, but she was so excited to watch the show again that she ran way fucking ahead of me. <laughs> so now I, you, you all, and this episode gave me an excuse to watch like 12 episodes of Avatar in like a nice. week. Uh, so thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. We're basically your new girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. I would, I could only be so lucky. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's all uh, I have to say about this amazing episode. Uh, anything else from you guys? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I don't think anybody ever needs to say anything else about this episode ever again. We can yeah, we've, close the we've book. Closed the book. Yeah. We, we can take it off of Netflix. That's what they should be doing. After we release these podcasts, they should just delete the episode we talked about. Yeah, the whole file, like, just deleted from the internet. It's gone. I, they sneak into Nickelodeon headquarters and delete the tape. Yeah. And uh, the Nickelodeon headquarters security system is, of course, a giant bucket of green slime that they dump on that they dump on intruders. It's like, oh, you have, uh, oh, Arrested Development's Mae Whitman playing uh, an Inuit? I don't know, off Netflix. Yeah. Well, ho- yeah, hopefully the live-action one will learn the mistakes of um, the movie and not do that. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that movie I haven't seen. Uh, no. I cannot wait to be angry yeah. about it like everyone else. As someone don't, who don't who put it off for a long time because I knew it would be bad, uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my first exposure to Avatar anything was at an event for Webster University's video game club. Uh, and someone put up on like the big screen for everyone to see a, a GIF of what I now understand to be like a brainwashing station. Um, okay. And it said, uh, like the 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 one from Ba Sing Se. I'm mm-hmm. saying these words, right? I haven't, I don't mm-hmm. know anything about this. Yeah. But I, the there is no war in bossing say uh uh memory wipe thing um it was like the avatar movie doesn't exist the avatar movie doesn't exist so that was that was uh, a pointless anecdote that i wasted your time <laughs> no i'm always down to hear anecdotes that involve scenes from my favorite episode of the whole show wow yeah there was a tiktok about uh, a musical tiktok about bossing say the other day and i was like oh these tiktok kids they're really talented. Is it the one of Azula, like the woman being Azula singing about taking over Ba Sing Se? Because that is really well done. I saw the one, uh, the girl in the TikTok is a young uh, Asian woman, and she was Jude, J-O-O-D-E-E. Mm. Um, and they did that TikTok thing where you can like multiply your body 400 times. It was very well done. These TikTok kids, they're going to put me out of a job. The talent is there. We, I mean, I love TikTok and I waste too much time on it. Um, <laughs> but that's for another time. There's been a lot of great Avatar TikToks. But the thing about TikTok is that when you like something on TikTok, TikTok thinks that you only want to see that thing for like so long. And it's so right. like you, you, you'll copy. It's not even liking something. If you copy the URL of a TikTok, that gets added into the algorithm. And My they're God. like, oh, you sent an Avatar TikTok to someone? Here's... 50 more avatar tiktoks before you ever see anything else weird i would only be copying urls to be like look how dumb this is <laughs> like i probably would not want to see more of whatever i'm copying no but it's a great app uh <laughs> and I, yeah i don't have anything else to say this was a great episode of the pod kevin thank you so much for being here could you tell people where to find you one more time uh, yes, uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan, L-A-N-I-G-A-N, uh, on all of the social media platforms. And by that, I mean just Twitter and Instagram. That's all of them. That's mm-hmm. all of them. I'm too old to learn a new one. I can't, I can't learn what TikTok is. You know, <laughs> I, I can't figure out how to work that. I haven't tried, but I'm just not going to. And what so I don't even- post, I just use, I just observe. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. That's sure. a good way. Yeah. And it's like what else is what other social media sites even are there? There's the rate there's like the racist one, but that's about it. <laughs> the one for people that were too racist for Twitter.com. That one. Yeah. Oh man. I've not a, even heard of that. 
I to be a what digital fly on those walls. I'm not going to advertise it. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> don't look um, up. You don't want to know. If for whatever reason you follow a racist, that's probably they've probably talked about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So and you can find me at Rain Derix, uh on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. Uh, remember to follow Bitter Jurors on Twitter. Uh, we I will be I will post the mailbox link earlier or with more ahead of time next time oh. and oh. and uh, uh, we can all communicate as friends. Uh, yeah. I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and you can also follow my other podcast at Word on the Streets on Instagram and Twitter. Right. Um, but okay, very last thing. Speaking of uh, feedback, we did get another review on <gasps> Apple Podcasts. So. I didn't see. Yeah, I think I'm going to read it now, and that can be our final thing. Um, it's from Ashteen, I want to say. A-S-C-H and then T-E-E-N. I don't know what that means, but that's their name. Um, and they say, uh, sur- the title of the review is Survivor and Atla, after the last airbender, Legends. Sam and Derek do such an amazing job covering both Survivor and Avatar The Last Airbender, parentheses, which there's truly not enough podcast content about, in parentheses, that we just have to stand. Their passion shines through in their analysis, and their ranking of Avatar episodes has been especially fun to follow. Thank you, Ashin, for that review. Whoa! Yeah. That is such a nice review. I know. Well, we stand you, Ashin, so much. Happily standing. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, speaking of fan feedback, I just wanted to make sure we got that word out there. And if you want to give us five stars, please feel free. We will absolutely give you a shout out on the show because we crave attention and especially positive attention. <laughs> Honestly, I needed that pick me up at the end of this day. Uh, it was it was a weird one for me. And so that's great. That's great encouragement to hear. There you go. That can be your thing. You can be our reason to get through the day, people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, thanks again for uh, joining us, Kevin, and thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.